Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Establishing a federal budget watchdog operation, starting a free legal aid program, increasing access to prescription drugs. Most nonprofits would be happy to claim any one of these accomplishments. Argentina's Center for the Implementation of Public Policies for Equity and Growth had a hand in all these reforms. This is Colleen Chaddix for Yale's Office of Public Affairs, talking with the center's executive director, Nicholas Ducote, part of Yale's World Fellows Program for Emerging Leaders Around the Globe. As I said, your organization has accomplished a lot. It's accomplished all this in a country that's recovering from a major financial crisis. How did the economic situation impact your work? We, had, we were strongly impacted in three ways, actually. Um, the first is when we started CPEC in the year 2000, our main focus was going to be local governments and really working at the state level and, let's say, from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And a major crisis, not only economic, but political and social in 2001, 2002, turned that upside down. It was really necessary for us to extend our reach and work with the federal government and get into fields where there were huge problems and lacking solutions. Um, So that was the first kind of impact, sort of the thematic one. The Mm -hmm. second was the funding. Obviously, local sources of funding dried up in the middle of an economic crisis, private donations, company donations, government uh, involvement in social affairs. So we had a huge shift in our resource base towards uh, foreign provided money by aid agencies, uh, which currently provides about 30% of our budget. And Mm -hmm. the last change was the opportunities. Every crisis brings about huge opportunities. And uh, since the crisis... um, politicians and political leaders have been much more open to engage civil society, nonprofits, think tanks into the policymaking process, and that has really, really a huge advantage. Your concerns are really broad. Um, the list that I read at the beginning was far from complete. What's the common denominator in the reforms that you work for? These are all important pro- public problems that need smart, effective, democratic, and institutional solutions. Mm-hmm. So we really look at the kinds of problems that are affecting the services and goods that the government provides to its citizens. And uh, we do this across healthcare, education, justice, fiscal issues. Um, and in every uh, project, we face three kinds of challenges. The first is the knowledge challenges. How do you bring smart ideas to the table? How do you build an agenda around the issues that are your concerns? Um, the second uh, shortcoming in our public system many times is not only having the ideas, but having the ability to advocate for them, to build the majorities that will get those into legislation or to make uh, public agency changes. And so that's the second part of our work where across every project we really try to br- build broad constituencies or coalitions for change making. And the third set of challenges we face are those when the policymaker has the right ideas, he has the possibility of implementing them, but he does not have all the will. Mm-hmm. And uh, there it's much more about providing uh, sticks and carrots. It's about monitoring government's performance. It's about uh, praising the good work that some public leaders do and uh, calling into question those that don't do as well. And uh, I would say in most of our projects, you find those three characteristics really at the heart of them. So how does that provide an opportunity for an NGO to really have a big impact? So it, re- it really provides um, government in Latin American countries, and particularly in Argentina, does not usually have at its uh, hands reach a pool of talent and skill that it needs to analyze long-term problems that the country has been dealing with for the past 40 or 50 years. Uh, usually government officers are running from one emergency or urgency mm-hmm. to the next. And so we have more of the quiet time to really reflect and think upon the basic problems. We can look at the world much more and bring those solutions to the table. And we obviously have to do this in a way that um, 
fits adequately into the political system. We have to write in a language that's easily understandable in some sense. We have to write in short ways and concise um, recommendations uh, on which political leaders can act. So really, in a, in a country that in the past uh, five and six years has had a loss of uh, policy, let's say government decision-making legitimacy, um, politicians saw they needed to call on to civil society much more, as I was mentioning after the crisis. And we took the advantage of bringing what we can be bring to best bring to the table, which is we do not have democratic uh, accountability. We don't represent hundreds of thousands or millions of people, but we really can bring uh, to bear good ideas on how to solve public problems. And we do this across party lines. And in this sense, we've really had an opportunity to influence many critical decisions in Argentina. And it's very, very satisfactory to see that change is possible, that progress can be achieved little by little. It's interesting. I just interviewed one of your colleagues who's working in the former Soviet Union, and she talked about how an NGO can actually provide more stability than a government in a politically volatile atmosphere, which is kind of foreign to Americans. Yeah, but it's absolutely true. Actually, in, in several policy fields, I would say that the work we do at CPEC and uh, many nonprofits in Argentina are the institutional memory mm. of that whole field. Um, an average minister of education in Argentina will last 13 months. Wow. Uh, in a such a in a field like education, which requires long term investments, you know, right. we have every 13 months a new minister coming in who changes half of his staff, and uh, at some point they have to turn around and ask you, say, what was the guy before me doing? <laughs> and the exactly, next, yeah. And so you really become the sort of advocate for uh, permanence, for some kind of uh, strategic long term uh, accomplishment of objectives, and uh, it's very much the case you were just mentioning. What accomplishment are you most proud of? The thing that I, I really sort of feel uh, gratified to having been able to contribute to is setting up an organization that today provides the opportunity for hundreds of change makers in Argentina to really make a difference in the policy fields they care about. Um, it's sort of an instrumental uh, accomplishment because it's like a platform mm -hmm. on which other entrepreneurs, public entrepreneurs can hop on and really push the agendas in healthcare, in justice reform, in transparency issues. And I really think that's the biggest thing that will sort of transcend my work uh, at CPEC. And it's the fact that we've given a whole generation of young people the um, sort of uh, vision that they can believe in making a difference and they can make it happen. Mm -hmm. They not only have to dream about a better country, but they can wake up every morning and go to work somewhere where they can make that difference. And that really is a sense uh, that makes me feel uh, good at the end of the day, every single day. Voting is compulsory in Argentina. Mm -hmm. That's a very strange concept to Americans, since most of us who are eligible to vote choose not to. Does making people vote make them more engaged with public life outside of elections? To some, definitely it does make people more involved in the electoral process itself. Um, since you're going to have to cast your vote one way or another, people are somewhat more informed about the different candidates, mm -hmm. what they stand for. Uh, we usually have a broader range of candidates. We have like um, between, I would say, probably eight to 12 presidential candidates mm -hmm. that get narrowed down. So there is much more involvement around the electoral uh, date um, with a much shorter calendar than you have here, which is impressive, like a whole year and a half of primaries and things. Um, I couldn't make the case, and, I, and, and it wouldn't be fair to say, to say that it pro produces more civic engagement throughout uh, the, the democratic life and, and after, do, before and after elections, mm -hmm. I think the U.S. has a, a very commendable sort of uh, tradition of, of public engagement of many of its citizens through parent-teachers associations, through philanthropy, through many different avenues. Although I continue to be impressed at how low your electoral turnout is. I was just uh, seeing here in New Haven that the mayor got elected with uh, under 20% turnout of the votes. Yep. And this, uh, in our countries, would provide such weak uh, sort of legitimacy to mm -hmm. the governor. 
but your system has lots of checks and balances and strengths in other areas and it really makes up for for that shortcoming in some sense of, of lower participation so voting isn't guaranteeing civic engagement is that another part of your work not only to provide the information of the policymakers mm-hmm. but to make it accessible to the average citizen so that they're creating some pressure too yeah definitely especially because um, politicians usually will only change when they figure out that the citizens' preferences have changed. Mm-hmm. So in some sense, and a little bit uh, making a caricature out of this, it's uh, politicians feel the direction of the wind and mm-hmm. then decide which way they're going to set their sails. And uh, much of our job with the citizenry is about changing the direction of that wind. It's about having the citizens and the, and the people in our society become more involved and demand better politics and better policies from our government. So we have a whole range of activities that have to do with providing access to public information, uh, training, leadership skills, and uh, we actually have a whole program whose uh, concept and name is providing tools for civil society to influence public policy. So we really help dozens of other NGOs and citizens get involved when they care to make a change to people with disabilities or people Mm -hmm. with certain kinds of um, whatever learning challenges or when people want to defend the environment. And we usually can provide them with the tools out of our own experience about how to do that better. It's very interesting. It's so different from the activist community here, which tends to be focused very much on one issue. You seem to be mm-hmm. focused on better government much more broadly. Yes, and it's, I think it's also part of the, the opportunities and challenges that developing countries are, is that many of the intractable and huge problems we have are not one-dimensional. If mm-hmm. you want to reform education in Latin America or in many of the developing world, you have to address issues that have to do with health care of the kids. You have to do address issues that have to do with rights. For example, children being able to go to school if they have or don't have documents. You have to address issues of... Uh, the whole uh, infrastructure in which that schooling is provided. For example, one uh, just small case of example, mm-hmm. um, in Argentina, most 95% of kids only go four hours a day to class. And this is because we have an infrastructure of schools where some kids go from 8 to 12 and another group goes from 1 to 5. So the physical lack of buildings mm-hmm. means that if we were to extend the hours of classes for one group, we wouldn't have anywhere where to place the other group. So we really have a whole challenge that has to do with infrastructure, another which has to do with healthcare, And all these things are intertwined. So that's why we need a much more interdisciplinary and broad approach to solving our public problems. Speaking of thinking broadly, um, you've got shrinking glaciers. Rising sea levels are affecting the Malvinas Islands off your coast. Obviously, climate change isn't a problem that a single country can solve. Do you see an a need to act on international level as well as a national level to make real impact. Definitely, and the experience here at uh, at Yale is providing lots of insights for me on mm-hmm. uh, how one can go about that. Um, in all honesty, uh, sort of environmental and ecological awareness and policy making in Argentina is still somewhat behind, and even civil society has not done as much as it could. So we're giving our first steps in understanding how we can contribute to solution uh, of this global problem. And at the same time, much of what can be done needs to be done across frontiers, across borders. Mm-hmm. So it's not one of those, the typical education or fiscal or healthcare problem in Argentina would be addressed uh, in, the co- in, in the field of our national boundaries. These environmental challenges, ecological challenges go much beyond this, and they force us and invite us at the same time to interact with the global community. Um, we need much more done there, and I see uh, a huge opportunity for making a difference over the next 15 and 20 years. I think a whole generation of uh, young Argentines, of young students at Yale, of young people around the world are going to be making and doing things differently for the future of this country and the future of this world. 
I have to ask you a, que- a couple of questions about your CV. You started a flower shop, a copy center, and a children's entertainment center, and the floral business is still going, I understand. Yes. What's the connection between the small business entrepreneur and the policymaker? Uh, for me, the business ventures are more of a hobby, and it's a kind of challenge of uh, competing in the private sector and winning. And it's just to, to be able to feel that if I were out there, I could do as well uh, also. And uh, more currently now with a family and everything, with a nonprofit salary, it does help to have an extra mm-hmm. income on the on the business side. But in all the business ventures I've gone, and now the, the two current ones I have working are the floral business and the sort of a high-level tourism thing, I really f- uh, feel that I am producing things that the market has not produced. So it's about bringing new innovative products to the market and uh, providing them in a way that's really unique and appreciated by customers. So it's a fun thing. I, I, I don't put much more than, uh, let's say, a half a day a week into that. Um, and whenever it's not fun, I'll just stop doing it. So. You touched on your World Fellows experience a little bit, but tell me a bit more about what you're going to be taking home with you. I'm definitely taking uh, home one of the most rewarding experiences in my life in, in both educational and personal uh, ways. One, because on the personal level, I came here with my, my wife and daughter, and being able to take classes with my wife on, about ethics, about ecology, mm-hmm. um, these things are, were unusual for us as a couple, but there were also um, things that weren't as easily at hand for us back at home. Um, when we just looked at the course roster of over 2,000 or whatever it is, courses that we could choose of, we felt like this was a huge menu and we wanted to eat everything on it. <laughs> and uh, so it's been so stimulated to participate in different conferences, seminars, workshops. Um, we thought this would be sort of an academic sabbatical and it's really b- turned out to be a hectic uh, <laughs> agenda of trying to consume and, and enrich oneself with all the knowledge that Yale has. So I'm really taking away a wonderful experience that very few places in the world can provide. And on the second uh, side of it, it's provide a sort of stepping stone to the future for me in personal terms and professional terms because I've not only met a, a set of amazing colleagues uh, with whom I probably will be engaging in the future and doing collaborative things, but I've also taken a few perspectives that will change the way I work back at home and the things I do. Uh, to, to mention this question you asked earlier, I probably will put more focus on environmental issues mm-hmm. that I never dealt with, and that's because the School of Forestry here and environmental studies opened my, my eyes to this. So I, I really am taking back uh, much more than many suitcases <laughs> of, of knowledge and uh, projects for the future. Thank you. We've been talking with Argentine policy advocate Nicolas Ducote, currently a World Fellow at Yale University. For more information, visit yale.edu slash worldfellows.